Our second scripture lesson continues the story of Jonah through selected verses in chapters 3 and 4. Listen now for the word of God. The Lord's word came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and declare against it the proclamation that I am commanding you. And Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's word. Jonah started into the city walking one day, and he cried out, Just forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on mourning clothes from the greatest of them to the least significant. When the word of it reached the king of Nineveh, he announced, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his officials, let humans and animals alike put on mourning clothes and let them call upon God forcefully, and let all persons stop their evil behavior and the violence that's under their control. He thought, who knows? God may see this and turn from God's wrath so that we might not perish. God saw what they were doing, that they had ceased their evil behavior, so God stopped planning to destroy them, and he didn't do it. But Jonah thought this was utterly wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Come on, Lord, wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This is why I fled to Tarshish earlier. I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy. At this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me, because it would be better for me to die than to live. The Lord responded, Is your anger a good thing? But Jonah went out from the city and sat down east of the city. There he made himself a hut and sat under it, in the shade, to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a shrub, and it grew up over Jonah, providing shade for his head and saving him from his misery. Jonah was very happy about the shrub. But God provided a worm the next day at dawn, and it attacked the shrub so that it died. And then as the sun rose, God provided a dry east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. He begged that he might die, saying, It's better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, Is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Jonah said, Yes, my anger is good, even to the point of death. But the Lord said, You pitied the shrub for which you didn't work and which you didn't raise. It grew in a night and perished in a night. Yet for my part, can't I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. The word of God for the people of God. What makes you angry? I'll tell you something that makes me angry. Every weekday morning when I'm driving south on Briarcliff Road, just past North Druid Hills, there are two lanes of traffic. There are two lanes of traffic, but everyone knows that the right lane becomes a turn-only lane. Everyone knows that the right lane is a turn-only lane, but because the left lane backs up, 
people choose to shoot down the right lane and merge in at the last minute. Every time, every morning, my hands grip the steering wheel, sweating, knowing that someone will let the cheaters in. <laughs> someone will be looking at their phone and allow just enough space for someone to make a last-minute merge, or even worse, someone will be nice and let them in. Why? There is no mercy for someone intentionally cheating the system. We waited our turn. Why is their commute more important than ours? Where's the accountability? Where's the justice? The absence of justice. That makes us angry. It's the basic infuriating question of theodicy, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Or maybe even more frustrating, why do good things happen to bad people? And who is to blame? On the road, it's easy to blame the perpetrator, the, purpose, the person who purposefully merged at the last minute. It's easy to blame the person who allowed it to happen, the person who granted grace when none was deserved. But what about the bigger picture? If God is all-powerful, why don't we see more smiting of evildoers? If good things didn't happen to bad people, wouldn't that be a pretty successful deterrent from doing bad things in the first place? When we are frustrated and angered by the absence of justice, we are not alone. It's a basic human nature. And Jonah is a prime example. What makes Jonah angry? At first glance, it can be unclear why Jonah initially flees God's call to go to Nineveh, but in chapter 4, we get a pretty clear picture. Jonah is angry at God. Jonah is angry because God fails to deliver justice to the evildoers in Nineveh. After Jonah warns them to turn from their evil ways, God saw that they did change. God changed their mind and decided not to destroy Nineveh. The text says that Jonah saw this and thought it was utterly wrong. God did not deliver the justice that was due, and that made Jonah angry. He says, I knew it, God. I knew you were merciful and compassionate, very patient, full of love. You don't destroy. Why did you even send me if you were just going to let them off the hook? Where's the justice? And I get it. Nineveh is the worst. It's a huge city full of brutality and cruelty. It also happens to be part of the Assyrian nation that is responsible for the destruction of Jonah's people, the Israelites. God didn't spare God's chosen people from the wrath of their enemy, so why should any Assyrians be spared now? Jonah doesn't want to offer them a second chance at redemption in the first place. And then God forgives them just like that? Jonah is beyond angry. He says it would be better for him to die than to live in a world where this is what God's justice looks like. Wasn't this why he fled in the first place? What makes you 
angry. For this season of Lent, we're talking about forgiveness. And we can't talk about forgiveness without talking about anger. In fact, the mere concept of forgiveness can stir up some anger within us. There's one person in particular in my life that I've worked hard to forgive. When I think back on our relationship, I get angry about how poorly I was treated. I get angry at how I was taken advantage of. And as time goes on, even as I continue to heal and grow, anger still pops up. Not so much for this individual anymore, but for myself. I get angry about the time and energy I spent trying to fix something that was too broken to repair. I get angry at myself for ignoring my gut, ignoring the red flags, and ignoring the words of my loved ones. I get angry at myself for not being as strong as I think I should have been. Today, if I was pressed, I would say that I have forgiven this person, but that doesn't mean that the anger is gone. I imagine it's rare that anger isn't a part of the forgiveness journey, and God knows this. God gets angry too. The thing about God's anger, though, is that it, work, it works itself out in a transformative way. God's anger renews. God's anger seeks to right wrongs that harm or drive people apart. God's anger identifies injustice that needs to be brought to light. God's anger seeks to point people back to the good news of God's mercy, compassion, and steadfast love. So when Jonah is angry, God doesn't tell him not to be angry. God asks, is your anger a good thing? Is your anger renewing or transforming something that is broken? Is your anger driving you to right a wrong? Is your anger pointing back to God's compassion and steadfast love? In Jonah's case, it isn't. It's actually doing the opposite. From the very beginning, Jonah's anger and fear drive him away from God. The language of our narrative paints a picture of Jonah's descent further and further away from God and away from God's intentions. It's a descent to the boat, a descent within the boat, a descent into the sea, a descent into the belly of the fish. After three days in the depths of darkness, God renews Jonah for his journey. But even after Jonah experiences God's grace and mercy for himself, his anger drives him away from God once again. After God decides not to smite the Ninevites and Jonah expresses his anger toward God, God poses the question, is your anger a good thing? Instead of answering, Jonah just leaves. He walks out of Nineveh, where he and God are having this conversation, and turns away from God. Jonah goes to sulk outside the city. Maybe he's hoping the Ninevites will go back to their evil ways, and he will get to see God's justice rain down. Maybe he's hoping his anger will change God's mind again. Is Jonah's anger a good thing? It's not looking like it. As relatable as his reaction may be, 
His anger is driving him away from God. The justice Jonah seeks is not what God wills. Regardless, Jonah has disengaged from the conversation, so God decides to help him ponder the question through some tangible experiences. Through an odd series of events involving a shrub, a worm, and the subsequent smiting of the shrub, God's spirit rushes in and provokes Jonah to start up the conversation again. After Jonah's lovely shade shrub is killed, he says again to God, if this is what your justice looks like, I would rather die. Now that the conversation is back on the table, God reframes the original question. Is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Instead of shying away from answering this time, Jonah answers with a resounding, yes, my anger is good. But here's the thing. When it comes to the shrub, Jonah has compassion and is mad that God lacks compassion. When it comes to Nineveh, however, Jonah was mad that God did have compassion. Jonah is angry at God's blatant disregard of what his own concept of justice is, but God points to a hole in Jonah's rationale. You can't expect mercy and forgiveness to be extended to you and then be mad when that same mercy and forgiveness is extended to others, even your enemies. Is your anger a good thing? Not when it is selfish, not when it makes us see others as less human or less worthy than ourselves, not when it prevents us from aligning with God's heart. You see, Jonah may have ultimately obeyed God when he went to Nineveh. He said the right words, he did the right thing, but his obedience didn't bring him any closer to experiencing God's mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. We can get frustrated by forgiveness because all too often it seems forced by an urgency to move on. We can get frustrated by others' forgiveness when it's extended before we think it's been earned. Real forgiveness couldn't possibly happen quickly, right? But forgiveness isn't about saying the right words or going through the motions. Forgiveness is about finding a way forward towards renewal and transformation. And there is no timeline for that. God's resp God responds to Jonah with one last important question. Should I not care about the people of Nineveh? Forgiveness is for everyone even the people we think don't deserve it. That's the message of our narrative, and that's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To believe the good news of Jesus Christ is to know and accept in our core that God is gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. And yes, that can make us angry. Because, like Jonah, we have people in our lives that we consider the other. We have people in our lives that we consider irredeemable. But the good news is, we don't have to understand God's expansive mercy and compassion. It really is too big for us to fully wrap our heads around. We don't have to get it. 
We just have to know it. And sometimes it will make us angry. But it's our job to check our anger and to make sure we use it to create the spaces that build the community we want to see. On June 17, 2015, Dylan Roof, a self-proclaimed white supremacist, walked into Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina, and murdered nine people during a Bible study. Where is the justice? 48 hours after this horrific crime, families of the victims appeared at Roof's bond hearing. The judge invited them to make any statements should they wish, and through tears, Nadine Collier stepped up and became the first of the victim's family members to publicly forgive Roof. Several others also chose to forgive him that day. Where's the justice? The victim's families would go on to clarify that forgiving Roof at the bond hearing wasn't planned or premeditated. It just happened. Other family members of the victims would go on to forgive Roof in their own time. Chris Singleton, who lost his mother in the shooting, went on to say this. Forgiving my mother's murderer wasn't something I did just to do. After seeing what happened and the reason why it happened, I truly hope that people will see that it wasn't just us saying words. I know for a fact that it was something greater than us, using us to bring our city together. We may be tempted to say that the forgiveness that the Emmanuel AME victims extended wasn't authentic or real. You may be thinking that the shooter deserved no such grace. There's a possibility that everything about this story makes you angry. But if we're true to our faith, we have to examine our core beliefs and check our practices. We must remember that God's anger Good anger points towards transformation and renewal. Singleton notes that Roof set out to start a race war. Singleton is proud of his Emmanuel community and the fact that they reacted in a way that was the opposite of what Roof was expecting. Their forgiveness rejected division and instead brought them together to continue healing and renewing. There is beautiful justice in that. Forgiveness doesn't always make sense. And when we're angry and frustrated by forgiveness, we can check our anger. Is it a good thing? We can ask for help if our anger is driving us away from God and from others. We can lean into God's invitation to let forgiveness transform us even when our anger lingers. Forgiveness is a process that often never ends and has no proper timeline. As frustrating as forgiveness can be, we can rest in the assurance that God is gracious. God is merciful. God is abounding in steadfast love. It's this mercy and love that has the power to renew us and drive us forward to be transformed and to work towards the change we want to see. 
And this is the good news of the gospel. Amen.